Welcome to Texas Tech Health Check from Texas Tech University Health Sciences Center. I'm your host, Melissa Whitfield. We want you to get healthy and stay healthy with help from evidence-based advice from our physicians, healthcare providers, and researchers. How the winter weather affects our skin and hair is our topic. And Dr. Michelle Tarbox, Texas Tech Physicians Dermatologist, is our guest for this episode. She talks to us about ways to keep our skin and hair healthy during the winter months. Dr. Tarbox, thank you so much for coming on our podcast. Can you tell us something about yourself, what you do at the Health Sciences Center, and your expertise? That's so nice to be on this podcast with you, and I'm very grateful for the invitation. My name is Michelle Tarbox. I'm an associate professor of dermatology and dermatopathology at Texas Tech University Health Sciences Center here in beautiful Lubbock, Texas. And I'm so excited to be here to kind of talk with you today about some important topics. So one of the things that I really enjoy doing is helping people understand best how to take the very best care of the skin that they're in and how to improve their daily life. Well, again, thank you so much for coming on. Can you tell us what are some common skin problems you see in patients this time of year and what causes them? One thing I think that it helps to understand why our skin kind of misbehaves a little bit this time of year is that we need to think about how water behaves. So as human beings, we are largely comprised of water. And it's pretty important to keep that volume of water inside our body and in well balance. When you look at water, even on a microscopic scale, it will always flow downhill. So if you have a higher water gradient and you're going into a place that has a lower water gradient, you're going to lose water to that environment. That goes for our skin as well. And in the wintertime, because it gets cold outside, we tend to turn our heaters on, and that dehydrates the indoor air, so it's actually sucking moisture out of our skin. So we see a lot of things that are complications of dryness. Well, how can we avoid that? (laughs) That's a great question. Some of the conditions that can be worsened by people actually trying to accommodate around these things can include eczema, chapped lips, dry skin, hair, and nails that all flare in the wintertime. So one of the most important things to do is be very gentle with your skin. You want to think really TLC. Anything that you're using on your skin needs to be gentle and designed to be as kind to your skin as possible. So especially in the wintertime, I uh, I really encourage my patients to avoid anything that's going to strip the skin of its moisture or its natural oils. Those can include really hot water temperatures. As good as a really hot shower feels, it's not very good for your skin. So trying to go for just more comfortably warm, but not stingingly hot. Using gentle cleansers that don't necessarily have lots and lots of foam and lots of lots of fragrance can be beneficial. And then limiting the amount of exposure that you have to those cleansers. In the wintertime, time, especially I I advocate for my patients to, of course, wash the dirty areas with soap. Those are going to be the ones you can think of right off the bat. You know, your armpits, your groin, and your hands and feet. But the rest of your body really doesn't need to be slathered and lathered up. The water just running over the skin with whatever residual soap from those other areas is perfectly sufficient unless you've been rolling around in our West Texas dirt or caught outside in one of our haboobs. Well, since you mentioned that we're in Lubbock and West Texas, should we keep, I mean, it's already dry out here. Should we keep the same skin routine year round or is there anything extra that we need to do? Lubbock actually has won the dubious honor of being one of the most challenging weather cities by the um, weather service. The weather channel itself actually has awards for this and Lubbock has won that award more than once because we have 
just basically every kind of weather you can think of. So the same products that work for you in the summertime might not work so well in the winter. In the summertime here, it's very warm. People tend to perspire more. People who are prone to oiliness may need more of a sufficient cleanser or may need lighter skincare products. But in the winter, we need to think of rich and warmth on the skin. So we want to think about rich moisturizers, things that are thicker in the container, things that flow less are going to have less water content. It sounds kind of counterintuitive. You think, okay, my skin's dry. I should put more water on it. But the problem is that water, when it evaporates, can take extra water with it. So I tell my patients to avoid the potions and lotions in the wintertime. So lotions are liquidy. Anything that you think kind of looks like something you could get through a straw is probably not going to be enough for the moisturizer you might need in the wintertime. Thinking things that you could do the good old blizzard trick with where you open the container and hold it upside down and nothing comes out, that's going to be a lot more likely to give you good moisturization. Some of the products I really like are just gentle, plain Vaseline. That's a great product. If some people are not comfortable with petrolatum products, so there's something called Unpetroleum that I like very much. And then there's also something called Waxoline that's made from beeswax. Those are all ointment-like products. Those are very helpful, especially if people have sensitive skin. And then I like creams such as CeraVe cream or Cetaphil cream. Avoiding harsh detergents and fragrances can also be beneficial. Now, what about... As I said, we're on in West Texas. What about the sun? Should we still wear sunscreen or wear hats? You are singing my song. So if you saw how I came into the studio today, I look like an extra from the movie Dune. So I'm covered with my hat and my scarf and my sunglasses and my hands are covered. The sun in West Texas is no joke. So we have 272 days on average of bright sunlight here in West Texas. And that sunlight can cause problems for our skin year round. So even though we might not feel the burning sting of our summer sun, we can still get skin damage from sun exposure. So protecting our skin from the winter sun is just as important. I always advocate for patients to wear hats and sunscreen when they're outdoors. You also want to protect your beautiful eyes from our West Texas sun so that you're not getting any damage to the cornea or retina. And I have to say that you do practice what you preach because you have amazing skin. (laughs) That's so kind. Thank you. Now, in the past 18 months or so, there were a lot of stories about COVID hair loss. Mm -hmm. Is that still an issue? Is that something that happens during the winter too? You know, I'm seeing still a lot of patients affected by this and there are multiple causes for it. One of the things that can cause us to lose hair is stress. Um, Hair loss can be a natural reaction that your body has as it's trying to budget nutrients and deal with the outside world when there's this huge stress sensed. Our body does what we do when we sense instability in our own environment. We pull back from those resources that we might be diverting towards luxury items. And our body's number one luxury item to cut is our hair because we don't need it to survive. So stress can cause hair loss in any circumstance, but COVID stress has been unique for a couple of reasons. One of them is that the stress has been so pronounced and so prolonged. So just the stress of the pandemic existing has caused hair loss. But there's a different kind of hair loss we're seeing in patients who've actually had COVID. And that is very profound, um, very severe in some of these patients. That can be related to the severity of the immune response and the adjustments their body had to make to survive. It also seems to be related to the severity of some of the symptoms they experienced. But it can be pretty significant. Now, the good news is it's not permanent. Patients can recover. They just need nutritional and emotional support as they're going through their process. What kind of attention should we be paying to our hair during the winter months? Our hair also has extra needs in the winter months because we like to turn up the heat on things. So we like a warmer shower. We like a warmer internal environment. These things can help strip some of the oil from our hair that's actually necessary for it to stay moisturized and healthy. So making sure that you're giving your hair a nice conditioner whenever you wash it is helpful. Making sure that you're not 
overexposing it to very hot water temperatures, and that you're not leaving sudsy products on too long. There's a foaming agent that's used in a lot of commercially available shampoos, the sodium lauryl sulfate family, and that can strip a lot of moisture from the hair. So if you're prone to dry, brittle hair, trying to avoid that product, which is pretty easy now, you just look for labels that say sulfate-free, that can help you to avoid some of the oil stripping that can come from using those products. And then just having a nice gentle conditioner that's very moisturizing for your hair is a great idea in these kind of dry, winter months. Do you recommend we wash our hair daily? That really depends on the person. You know, some people's oil production necessitates daily hair washing and other people's doesn't. I know personally, because I have curly hair and it's relatively fine, if I actually shampooed it every day, it would be about four inches long. So it has to be kind of cared for a little bit more gently, but it really depends on your hair texture and your own oil production. If your hair feels clean and smells clean, there's no reason that you need to wash it every day. Of course, showering is a different thing, especially if you're exercising or doing something rigorous. And I think one of the most important things we all need to learn to do is listen to our bodies because our bodies really tell us what we need. You know, we have surface texture changes that tell us, well, I need to maybe rinse that or we might have, you know, the perception of a smell we're not super fond of and that can give us a clue that it's time to do something about that. But washing just for washing's sake or out of habit might actually exacerbate some problems. During these winter months, should we pay special attention to younger and older people's skin? I love that question, especially when we're thinking about this time of this pandemic and hand washing is something that's so important right now. I've seen a lot of irritant contact dermatitis in patients of all ages, but especially very young and very old patients for different reasons. As we age, our oil making glands in our skin work less well. Actually, so much so that there's a kind of eczema called asteatotic eczema, which is eczema that comes, irritation of the skin that comes because of dryness and lack of skin oils. Another name for that is senile sebaceous gland dysfunction, which I really don't like putting in patients' charts because I don't think labeling a human being as senile is a kind thing. But it goes along with the fact that those oil-making glands tend to work less well as we go along in life. And so where a person who has normally functioning sebaceous glands that are giving good moisture to the skin naturally through lubricating the hair follicles going out onto the skin surface might be able to use a harsher soap or detergent. A patient that has less function of those sebaceous glands might need even more TLC and more replacement of that function. We like to think about maintaining a healthy skin barrier. If your skin is dry and flaky, it can't keep you waterproof to the outside environment so you lose more water to the air and it also can't seal you against irritants from the air from chemicals that could get on your skin and from things that might be deposited there such as detergents. So really making sure that you have a nice even skin tone that you have no areas of dryness or flaking and that if the skin feels dry you give it some moisture listen to your body it has wisdom and tells us what we need at what age do you recommend we protect our babies or children's skin and teenagers there are lots of studies on how we can help provide a great platform for lifelong skin health. And some of them are very encouraging that gentle skin care in childhood and infancy, as well as gentle regular moisturization can be beneficial. Whenever we're talking about sun exposure, as early as the person is out in the sun is when we need to start thinking about their sun protection regimen. Now, sunscreens are not necessarily recommended below the age of six months, 
partially because broad sunlight exposure is also not recommended below the age of six months. So you want to be a little bit protective of patients in that age group. When you do start to have toddlers running around and going outside and playing, finding something that's gentle, easy for them to apply and tolerate, and good regular use of that product in combination with things like hats and long sleeves can help to provide a platform for lifelong skin health. So I really encourage anybody who's spending any significant time in the sun to protect themselves. And some people give up on protecting their skin because there's an old bad statistic that like something along the order of 80 to 90% of your lifetime skin exposure to the sun happens by the age of 20. Some people take that as, as kind of licensed to, well, I'm over 20, so the cat's out of the bag, whatever, don't have to worry about it. But the sort of error in the calculation of that has been revealed multiple times through other studies. And really, you get about the percentage of your life that you've lived of your sun exposure by that age. So it's about 20% of your lifelong sun exposure happens before the age of 20. So you have plenty of time to still protect your skin and our skin can repair itself if we give it the chance. Does traveling affect our skin and hair? Absolutely can. So there are lots of complications we run into with travel, right? We are dealing with a stressful circumstance. We might not have our normal products with us. We're being exposed to water that has different chemicals in it, might have different pH balance. We're exposed to different soaps and waters and things like that. But we're also potentially flying, right? And flying is another environment where we don't control the air. The air on an airplane can be very dry. And so thinking about how to make the very best transition from your normal home environment to your travel environment is a good thought process to go through. If you can stick with your normal products that work well for you and travel size, that's a great way to kind of help maintain a good foundation and platform for health of your skin. You also want to think about not overexposing the skin to things that are irritating, but sometimes you can't avoid things like the dry atmosphere inside of a plane. So making sure that you have extra ability to moisturize those skin surfaces, your mucous membranes, maybe even using a little sterile saline nasal spray to moisturize your nasal passages can help ease those transitions. When should we see a physician regarding issues with our skin and hair? Anytime you have something that hurts that won't heal, it's definitely a good idea to seek out professional help. Some people feel like they need to wait till something gets bad enough to see a doctor. But if you have a problem that's chronic, that's lasting more than a couple of weeks, and what you've tried at home isn't making it any better, seeking out medical help can be very beneficial. For a lot of common problems, your primary care doctor has a lot of knowledge and can be very helpful and beneficial in guiding your therapy. But another great thing about going to see somebody who is your primary care doctor who knows you well is that they can help pick up changes that are a little bit beyond that scope that need more expert attention and just and they can send patients to the specialists earlier in the course of the condition rather than later. So really if something's gone on for more than a couple of weeks or if it's causing any kind of severe discomfort, I absolutely recommend seeking out professional care and especially if it involves any vital structures. Anything involving the eyes, the mouth, or the nose, you want to pay a little bit more attention to. Is there anything else that you'd like to add? The biggest thing about winter skin care is just really be kind to your skin. I like for people to think about that newborn baby skin and how careful you might be taking care of that newborn baby. You wouldn't scrub it with harsh cleansers. You wouldn't leave it with dry skin that looks chappy and irritated and, and raw. The earlier you treat these discomforting problems in the skin, the more rapid your relief will be, but also the less severe the condition will get and the less likelihood it will become a chronic problem. Well, thanks again for coming on our podcast and telling us how to take care of our skin. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to Texas Tech Health Check. Make sure to subscribe or follow wherever you listen to podcasts so you won't miss our next episode. This information is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice 
always seek immediate medical advice from your physician or healthcare provider for questions regarding your health or medical condition. Texas Tech Health Check is brought to you by Texas Tech University Health Sciences Center and produced by Tierra Castillo, Susana Cisneros, and me, Melissa Whitfield.